Hello and welcome to Ray's Music Reviews. I am your host Ray with KP and today we will be reviewing Electric Wizard's Dope Throne released in October of 2000 after this. Welcome to Ray's Music Reviews. Come along as Ray embarks on a musical journey by deep diving into artists, genres, and albums of his choosing. And now, Ray Reviews. Electric Wizard are a doom metal outfit, more com they're kind of a doom sludge metal outfit. Commonly it is referred to as stoner metal. Dope Throne is their most popular and acclaimed record, being one of the most landmark stoner metal albums, period. KP, do you have some history on the record? Or? Have a little history on the band here. We have a Juice Osborne and Tim Bagshow, Mark Greeny. They, uh, Come My Fanatics is their rise to prominence in this, like you said, underground. Is it underground scene? Uh, I mean, I would call it fairly underground. I mean, it's not a it's not a forefront scene. No, it is not. It's not a forefront scene. I mean, it's a sludge metal. Sludge metal. It's. I mean, it's it's metalhead. It's. I I sure. Yeah, call it underground. I mean, it's the most popular record. It's one of the more popular records, but it is still. Right. Their trip to becoming that starts with 97's Come My Fanatics, and then we have the Super Coven, which is the second album, which they term as a trilogy of terror, which winds up leading into Dope Throne. And they they go they don't want to make an album after Super Coven, and they finally decide they're going to get back into the studio. There is it. The problems with trying to make the album, we have the lead singer guitarist Osborne kind of battling with the other guys over what direction the sound should be in. And they're throwing in their ideas of adding Nirvana aspects or maybe rap rock aspects. And he's like, you guys are crazy. <clears throat> and they're so heavy into drugs, they're threatening to kill each other in the studio. It's nuts. In between albums, we have Osborne committing arson of a car outside of a police station. You have Bagshaw uh, tried to steal a crucifix for their stage shows. It winds up falling through the glass of a church and cutting himself up. And then you have Greeny evidently broke the window of a liquor store to steal a bottle of liquor and then just sat down and waited on somebody to come arrest him. I mean, it was wild. And you have these influences. Once they manage to get back in the studio, they convince themselves hey, we're going to just try to get an EP out. And then they start diving into uh, HP Lovecraft's stuff, and they start diving into one another's animosity and, the, and their own drug issues, and they wind up pushing out nine tracks. They're not short tracks. Mm -hmm. And it really winds up changing the game in this entire metal scene somewhat accidentally. And we have our buddy, AJ, who yeah. we, we, we invited to give us a little new segment, kind of a Ask AJ type thing. And so he's going to slide in here real quick, an interview I got with him at the bar, and then we're going to kick it right back to us, and we'll wrap this thing up with a description of what we think about the record. So now here's AJ. We are about to introduce a new segment to the pod. We will maybe bring in here and there if AJ's willing. We're just going to ask AJ what he thinks about the record's that we are doing this week. This week is Dope Throne by Electric Wizard. And AJ, what did you think about this record? Um, this record, uh, I enjoy this record quite a bit. It's a, uh, it's a, a doom metal record, uh, doom rock, doom metal record that uh, 
I think while it does do a lot of these standard things that Doom Rock, Doom Metal records have done over the years, it does enough unique um, to make it really make it stand out amongst its peers. Um, some of the unique elements that I wanted to bring up about this record, uh, one of them are the vocals. Um, one of the unique things they do with the vocals in this is they put the vocals extremely low in the mix. So when you listen to it, the vocals, unlike most bands where the vocals are usually higher in the mix so that the vocals come through, the music's kind of in the background. With this, they really brought the vocals down to, in some ways, seem almost lower than the instruments in a lot of places. And I think what this does, really interesting, is, is it makes his vocals, which work with his style, almost an instrument in and of themselves. The way he sings, the way he vocalizes, um, it really kind of fits along with the instrumentation where it's almost another instrument. It's another piece of the story that's going along. It's not necessarily the lead. Right. It's almost, a, it's almost like it's a, uh, a train going forward instead of cars driving separately. Exactly. It melds very well with the music. Um, also, his vocal style has a, a very strained and almost, uh, it almost sounds like he's in pain a lot of times, which for a Doom record really works. Um, right. You know, you, you, it's kind of interesting when you hear some Doom metal bands where the vocalist is very kind of operatic and powerful, but he's singing about how, how bad his life is and how everything sucks. And it's like, well, you, you sound pretty powerful, you know, right. and amongst other, this guy sounds like he's suffering along with everybody else when he sings. Absolutely. Which I think adds a, a very, um, it feels legitimate. Yeah. Very legitimate. This is the sorrow he's, he's absorbing. Right. Right. Um, and even in songs where that, where the, the lyrics may not even uh, necessarily coincide with that, the sound, it, it works with the sound. There is a consistency of tone in this record that through all the elements they bring in, the electronic elements or anything else or tempo changes, the consistency of the tone of, of a, a, a bleak and a, a suffering, but there's an anger to it. Right. That it's not just, um, it's not just life's terrible, it's life's terrible and I'm kind of angry about it. I'm lashing. Yes. I'm lashing a out. A lashing out. That's a good way right. of putting it, a lashing right. out. So you, you're going to go back to this record, you think? I think I will. Um, I, I, I will definitely go back to this record. Um, one of the big points to me was the electronic elements and how they were used. They were not used flippantly. Right. Everything they did um, had a purpose. A standout to me for that was the end of track three, that kind of three song uh, epic that they did, The Altar of Macaus, which is just this kind of electronic uh, EDM drone for about you know three to four minutes that leads in extremely slowly. Right. Um, which really, there's not a lot of other things in the album that sound like that, but it has purpose in that way that, the, the way that track is set up. Another thing is the, the tempo changes and things like that done in, in some of the other tracks, like uh, was it track two, they did a, a, uh, a tempo change about halfway through uh, Funeropolis um, that isn't something you hear a lot of Doom records. You know, once they go slow, they go slow. These guys will do tempo changes, mm -hmm. which really work for the record, which makes it interesting. It makes it engaging. Right. Musicians. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. Um, but yeah, I, this cool. is definitely a record I'll come back to. Uh, it's a record that I'm, I'm interested to see more of Electric Wizard's uh, discography. And I also have a couple new tracks for uh, to use as music for some of my Dungeons & Dragons sessions. So thank you for that. Tell us where people can listen to Dungeons 
your Dungeons and Dragons. It is the Side Questers podcast. Uh, you can find it on Spotify, and we're trying to get a few other places to pick it up. We're in some talks right now, but on Spotify, you can get it. It's the Side Questers uh, D&D podcast. Nice. Nice. Thank you. That was Ask AJ, live from a building with music in it. <laughs> we're at a bar. All right. Thank you. Appreciate Bye. It. Thank you, AJ, for those thoughts. Um, I have to say that I quite agree with AJ. This album's sound is very uh, fuzzy. It's very thick. It's it's very heavy. You mentioned uh, a lot of the song's lengths. And with that being said, a lot of the songs are very long, but it never feels like it drags. I, I feel like uh, the album itself only comes about comes to, not only but comes to about like an hour and 15 minutes as bizarre given some of the songs are like 10 15 minutes it is a heavy record i think i think a great point he made was how the singing feels very uh, pained correct but it also fits in with the rest of the band it's it, it's not first the vocals are not clear like I, it, it took me a couple of listens to get to where I kind of understood what he was saying, even with reading the lyrics. And I don't listen to this type of music enough to say that that's his fault. But I did, once I started reading, there was a, a very deep depression. And it did feel somewhat like a concept album to me. Hmm. There was a driving force. I mean, you did have the neat little kind of out of, I don't want to say it didn't fit in, because of course it did, but the Conan the barbarian references <laughs> in the song I thought were really neat. I, I did. I oh, like. Which song is that? I think it's called Conan. The Barbarian, you mean? Yes, I'm sorry. For barbarian. I apologize. It's called The Barbarian, yes. But it is, it, it is literally, he takes it from the comic, yeah, it you is, know? It is Conan the Barbarian. Right. Yeah, I think a lot of this album, uh, this album is very bleak, sometimes bordering on just like dread. A lot of the imagery, uh, specifically in that of like funeral op- Funeralopolis, is like apocalyptic, mm-hmm. like nuclear warfare. I feel as if the whole album's sound and the vocals and everything, it, 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 it all works. It all, everything makes sense to you. They don't vary. It's interesting, like you said, none of the songs are short. No. No, they do have a 47-second little thing there. But, you know, you've got a 20-minute song in here. you got a 5-minute song, an 11-minute song, a 15-minute song. Uh, Weird Weird Tales, Electric Frost. I thought that was really neat. You know, the, the Witch Finder's yeah, the cool. Whole... The Hills Have Eyes. We Hate You. There is a theme of what you're going through and how you feel when you are wrapped deeply, heavily into drug abuse. Mm. And I couldn't tell if Dope Throne was in some way uh, saying that the the marijuana had gotten them out of it, or if that was just, what did, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it, whether the the marijuana itself like either hel- like helped them get out of it, or if it just kind of worsened it is the wrong word, but it felt more of as like an escape. Yeah, I couldn't. Uh, yeah, right. The concept of we rise, rise, rise yeah. I feel through like the smoke, you know? I, I wouldn't call like that feeling that you can't tell to be like 
It was. Uh, it wasn't an anecdote. I wouldn't say. Yeah, I wouldn't <laughs> say it's like it's on purpose, but I will say it's definitely like a reflection of what the band was going through. Absolutely, that they could. They they themselves could not tell what they were using those drugs for. And there's little to no soloing. There, there, there's. There, but there are some riffs. Yes. On this out, uh, the start of Funeralopolis really got me. That uh, that one little riff in "We Hate You" is just like, you, my, <laughs> "We Hate You" is probably my favorite song on the whole album. In it's like piercing through you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, Funeralopolis is uh, the most well-known song in the album, which is uh, which is a little funny because it kind of clock, it clocks in at like around nine minutes. Yeah, it, it starts off with a very. Uh, would you say it starts off with a solo? Or like it starts off with like an instrumental after the intro Venom Sabathi. One one song on here is listed kind of as three. The Weird Tales Electric Frost. Yeah, Weird Tales Electric Frost. But Fr- Funeralopolis could be two songs. Yeah. Several songs on here could be two, but they, they just take them into their in a full flow, and I think that works with the record as well. Because it's a journey you're embarking on with them. Yeah. It's not, you're not putting this album on, maybe you would with Funeropolis, but you're really, maybe you would with Barbarian, but you're really not putting this on for one, I think if you, if you went to your Spotify, you're listening to the whole record, you're not pulling it up for one song. Does that yeah. make sense? Because it does flow together. And and what I, what I, what I meant earlier by, there's not a lot, a lot of so, soloing, most of the sound you hear, whether it be the vocals, the guitar, the bass, the drum, most of the sound you hear is is pretty much one yeah, sound. Just one force. Right. Yeah, Marching one, forward yeah, like a one, slow train. Just one combined force kind of held together by this thick fuzz. Correct. Correct. And it works. It works. It works incredibly well. Um, I mean, I think that's why I like We Hate You so much. Because it, it is this one this one extremely thick, fuzzy sound, but there's also this one riff that's like piercing through all of that. Right. Right. Oh, I totally agree. I totally agree. You um, like the record. Yes, I do. This is probably one of my favorite metal albums, period. Really? Um, you are a gloomy Gus. One thing that I noticed that is mentioned about uh, this album is that it does it does have Sabbath influence. Big time. Big time, yeah. Big time. With the, especially like a Masters of Reality. That there you specific go. Album. Yeah, 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 yeah. Although I will say that this guy's not Ozzy or, or obviously not Ronnie James in that, but he's a, like I said, he's an instrument. He's somewhere in, in a, a baritone bass instrument rather than whereas Ozzy is above the sounds yeah. and, and, I mean, and, Dio is way above the sound. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, the the, 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 in, the influence is there. It's Iom- specifically Iomian Butler influenced. Yes, and Ward influenced. Yeah, specifically, sp- specifically the instruments are influenced. Right, correct. Uh, but this album is still extremely distinct. It's very difficult to find anything like it. And when I do want to listen something to something that that is heavy, um, nearly nothing hits the spot like this album. You know, it's not the same thing by any means, but I think Facelift was something crazy like 30 years ago today. About 1990, 1989? 
Yeah, something like that. And there is a bit of Allison Chains feel to it in that, you know, Alice can get into that grinding. The depression and drug abuse? Is that the I think that would be the contributing factor. But there is that deep grind yeah. that you feel when you listen to an Alice record. And I, I do I do feel like it's there, but they're contemporaries now. You know, ninety three was when this started going and this record here, you know, you are talking right around two thousand ish. It's two thousand, yeah. Yeah. But I do I think it's funny too because you know, I I as an old timer will kind of poo-poo all the different genres because your generation has has figured out a way to specifically say that's post-pop, that's post that's doom metal, that's that kind. Yeah. To you know, when I was coming up it was just well that's metal, that's rock, that's you know. And then even then you would have like the grunge guys go, "Look, we're just rock bands." This band this album makes me think, yeah, you have to define this because Metal, when I was coming up, was the guitarist. You know, hair metal was yeah, that the was like high Van stuff, right? And, and even even though you know, Eddie's the precursor to hair metal, what Eddie Van Halen's doing is not anything like what this is. No. It's light years away from he. There are moments in some of his discography where he can do this, but he doesn't do it for 10 minutes on a song. Yeah, I mean, even and like... And wouldn't even think about it because he wants to play the, the other parts. I mean, even like Sabbath. Right, you know, Sa- Sabbath. Th- this album is bit, is influenced by Sabbath, but right. this does not. Right, I, I would not mistake. I definitely would not mistake anything here or anything that Electric Wizard that I've heard from Electric Wizard as a Sabbath song. Right, which would be it. Sabbath would be a heavy metal, but it's not this. No, this is it, a because Sabbath is going to at some point pick up the pace. Yeah, there is. At some at point, some point, the lead singer takes the lead of the record. At some point, Iomi takes the lead of the song. In in this in this case, they never get out of pocket with one another. They stay in that pocket and grind you down. It's like a ve- it's a very methodical. Absolutely, methodical is uh, perfect. It's large. It's overbearing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like this giant plotting monster. And I don't mean that to be critical. No, not at all. No. Right, right. So you liked it. I did. I liked it. Very much. I liked it. What else you listen to, man? Uh, what else have I listened to? Oh, um, I will say my favorite songs on this album were were probably, I pretty much liked every song on the album. I didn't have a, like, a least favorite song. He didn't mention that little, uh, that little hidden track at the end of the album. It, I mean, it's it's like a hidden trade. It's whatever. It's it's not. It's, it's it's like a little segment. It's a little sample of like some random news source. I don't know. It, it's not particularly too important to the record, but I I, I think it's it's fine. Um, my favorite songs here would probably be "We Hate You," "Funeropolis," "I the Witchfinder," but I pretty much liked every song. I, I liked every song. Uh, relatively, I think my favorite is Barbarian, and I think it's so because I renamed it Co- Conan. Conan, but it is about Conan, and it does. It, they do a very good job of giving you that mental imagery of the barbarian crushing through things, you know. And I think they do a good job of giving you the mental imagery in all of it, even if you don't necessarily understand the words the whole time. Yeah. You still get it. But you know, once once you read the words through a little bit and listen to it again, 
you know, th- then then it really starts to sink in where they where they're going with it all. Now, talk. Do you want to do you want to go away from this record for a minute or two and just talk uh, about music? Yeah, just stuff that I've listened to. Sure. Um, I listened to. I don't necessarily know how to pronounce the name of this record, but it's by it's by Candy Claws. Um, the album cover is is very. St- <laughs> if I were to describe the uh, series and. Calypso in Deep Time. I listened to this album. It's like a, it's a shoegaze album. I, I liked it. I thought it was good. I've had, I've been having a, uh, some issues with listening to music recently because like my left ear is kind of messed up. Uh, I listened to some uh, Mount Erie, which is uh, I think uh, Jared, your Japan Jared, I, which is I'm pretty sure is like his favorite songwriter by a pretty lar- large margin. Um, he also did The Microphones of Glow Part 2, which I'm pretty sure he cited as his favorite album. As Jared cited as his favorite album. Glow Part 2 is also one of my favorite albums. I did. I listened to, um... Huh, I listened to a Sheena... I listened to some uh, Sheena Ringo, who's, yeah. like, a Japanese pop artist. She's very good. She's a very good vocalist. Uh, her vocals are very nice. Uh, and you're enjoying it. I do. I do like it. Um, Relationship of Command by At The Drive-In. It, it is a post Are you familiar with the Mars Volta? No. Uh, okay. Well, uh, well, it's it's the guy from the Mars Volta. It's a, it's a post It's what it's what he did before he got into Mars Volta. Maybe I don't know the story particularly well. That's actually one of the few stories I would like to know a little more about. It's a it's a a post hardcore album that's uh, fairly popular. Um, what did you listen to this week? Well, I. Uh, I listened to a lot. I listened to some Coltrane. I listened to Around the House. I listened to um, that odd, but I, I'm very fond of it, Santana instrumental hmm. record where he covers some Coltrane on there. I bought a record, a Jimi Hendrix record, because oddly enough, I didn't own any. And I did not buy Are You Experienced or a live record. I bought Bold as Love, Access Bold as Love. And the reason is, oddly enough, some of my favorite tracks... I'm a big fan of Spanish Castle Magic, a big fan of Little Wing, big fan of You Got Me Floating. And so, uh, oddly enough, Castle's Made of Sand is my is really high up there for me, too. And so it's a little bit more of his trippy style stuff. This is weird, but I think that one of the reasons why I love I love those songs is actually a cover album that people did a tribute album to... Hendrix, where you had like a PM Dawn, do you got me floating, and different bands did different songs here. And, I, and I'm a big fan. I was a fan of Spanish Castle Magic and Castles Made of Sand. Anyway, he just was really good at telling tales, both with his guitar and his vocals, because his, he had such a laid back way of delivering vocals. I, I found it odd that I haven't listened to much Hendrix lately. And, and I dove in there, and that wound up taking me down a little bit of a rabbit hole where you listen to, like, Crosstown Traffic is just an epic tune. Manic Depression is an epic tune. So you wind up, when you veer off this record. I also have been listening to some Humble Pie live, 30 Days in the Hole. It's called, I think, uh, I got these two records at Revolver Records, Inside the Magnolia, B-Side, Jitterbug Coffee. On 12th Avenue, and I think Eric put, pointed out a, pointed something out to me that almost 
if I wasn't bound and determined to purchase the record anyway, would have deterred me from it because he said, how's it a bootleg record if it's a record store day issue by Humble Pie? Huh. He was right. Humble Pie's pretty good, though. They, they're one of those, that was when bands were really finding their blues rock groove, and they were one of the leaders in that. And you have multiple bands who have covered uh, 30 Days in a Hole, Black Crows being one of my favorite bands ever. So when, when those bands like that tell you, this is what helped me evolve, you kind of go try. It's like, we, the other day on the, way to, on the way to work, I had the spaghetti incident in. You remember that? Mm-hmm. And I remember at the bottom of the record, it said, go back and find the originals. And maybe that's what this whole segment from me is about, because You Got Me Floating was a song I don't think I'd ever heard. And PM Dawn's a little trippy band nobody remembers uh, from the 90s. <laughs> Shoot, maybe in the, uh, the late 80s. I think it's the 90s. Anyway, irrelevant. But that song made me go find that, which winds up leading you to a different record, right? The When you hear Duff singing Iggy Pop or Axel singing UK Subs, or you go, that's pretty good, but what's the original sound like? Or it's covering a Fear song. And you go back and you find the originals, the next thing you know, you've listened to three or four. And I think that that ought to be the purpose of covering songs. Instead of, yeah, that's a really cool song that they did. Maybe you should go back and find the original copy and see if maybe that's not a wormhole you wouldn't like to be down. Is that a wrap? I think that's a wrap. Is that a wrap? All right. So this is Ray's Music Reviews. I'm Ray with KB. KB. And uh, thank our friends over at uh, Revolver, Revolver Records. Records. Thank our friends at the GIN Project, the GIN Project.com. Thank you, AJ, and and can't wait to get Jared back on here sometime when he has a little more time. Go home.